WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program. It's um, Wednesday morning. And um, I think we have um, April the 8th today. I lost my little... Uh, oh, there it is. Yes. April the 8th. I have my own little personal calendar, just in case I lose track of time, <laughs> which is very, very possible. Welcome to the program. We thank um, John Brian for being with us uh, yesterday, City Council Vice President. Mayor um, Lisa Baldelli hunt will be with us in a few minutes, and uh, we'll chat with her about um, City Hall and and uh, police department, fire department, um, whatever she knows. And uh, we'll get an update uh, locally. We get an update every day from the president, one from the governor, the two governors, Baker and uh, Raimondo. Today is our update from the mayor. Good morning, Jeff Kamash. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for getting me some coffee, oh, too. You're right. most welcome. I mean, I was enjoying mine the last hour. I felt bad that you didn't have yours. Of course, mine happens to be a bottle of Mountain Dew, which... I offered him some, folks, but not a Mountain Dew guy. No, no Mountain Dew. Uh, One of the the eye-opening stories of the day for me, Roger, Mm -hmm. and uh, a a snap to grim reality is a story out of Massachusetts about developing guidelines for rationing ventilators. And we're hitting that, but you hear about the, the, the slowing of the curve. And the attempt to slow the curve was because we knew we had a limitation on medical supplies and we were going to exceed that point. Massachusetts is is there. And um, so when it comes to social distancing and the preventive measures, if you're one that, and, and I encountered one yesterday, he was just, you know, openly and brazenly sticking his hand out to everybody. Well, I shake hands with everybody. I realize, not shaking hands, folks, nobody's going to think you're a snob. Nobody's going to think you're un-American. Nobody's going to think you're not a man. Uh, it's just, you have to take these precautions today, uh, because if you don't, the, the spreading is going to continue and we end up having to ration ventilators. Uh, so Massachusetts is recommending, and this is, this is a tough guideline to lay out there that, uh, yeah, ventilators should be, uh, prioritized to medical personnel and people who are younger and healthier, uh, that they have to maximize the number of life years saved and not look at the life saved. And that's a tough measuring stick to have to impose. But that's why it's so important to slow this curb. Now, Roger, you were reporting on a story in the Winsocket Call today, written by Russ Olivo, of a 35-year-old woman in Morin Heights who's holding a party in her a small Morin Heights apartment. And these rooms are not big in Morin Heights. I don't know if you've ever been in there. Uh, now, in theory here, uh, to this Massachusetts story, this self-imposed risk of this 35-year-old would be a ventilator priority. Isn't that interesting? Uh, you gotta, uh, again, folks, I can't believe the governors are still saying this. You have to abide by the uh, restrictions, guidelines, laws, whatever your state or community has in place. Um, it, it's not a philosophical opinion at this point. 
Uh, nobody cares whether you agree or not. You just have to step up and do your part. The mayor will be with us in a little bit. Summarizing the wrap-up from uh, the governor's news briefing yesterday, um, three, uh, three died, 128, uh, 123 people are laying in beds across Rhode Island, hospitalized. About a third of them are on ventilators. The new date for um, maybe seeing the light at the end of the tunnel is May 8th. Today is April 8th. So we're in this uh, at least a month. And some, of course, uh, say uh, June, July, August, you know, all kinds of things. We'll see as time goes on. And also, uh, the big story is that here in Rhode Island, a good number of the deaths are from uh, people that are most vulnerable to die. People who are in nursing homes are, first of all, older. And also, the reason they go to a nursing home as opposed to staying at home is because they have things wrong with them. They are vulnerable. They have sicknesses. They have diabetes. Um, they have... Uh, they have lung issues. Uh, they have all kinds of different issues. And the people who are taking care of them are the nursing care workers. There are all kinds of people. Some work uh, in the kitchen. Some do the cleaning. Some uh, take care of the bedpans. I mean, it's a real variety of people. But they all have to converge on a nursing home. And the... Um, Director of the Health Department, Dr. Um, Nicole Alexander-Scott, talked on that yesterday and said this is a very vulnerable population. Uh, actually, two vulnerable populations. One, the nursing home patients, and two, the nursing home workers. Is If you work in a nursing home or if you work in another health care facility, you need to stay home if you are feeling even the faintest of symptoms. The governor touched on this earlier. This is so critical for our healthcare workers who are able to do this. If you have even a tiny cough, you need to stay home. If you have a headache, you need to stay home. If you have an upset stomach, you need to stay home. Because of what we are dealing with, this is absolutely not negotiable right now. We need you to be thinking about the patients and residents in your care. And the best way you can provide that care, because we know all of our health care workers are committed to the patients and residents in their care, the best, one of the best ways to provide that care is to stay home if you have any symptoms of illness. Additionally, people who work in nursing homes and other healthcare facilities should be wearing cloth face covers while out in public. The same goes for the other members of our critical infrastructure workforce. Who else is a member of our critical infrastructure workforce for Rhode Island? It's a long list. These are our firefighters, our people in law enforcement, our people in critical manufacturing fields, people who work in the food and agricultural industries, and many others. We have a list online that will be posted to really be able to apply the cloth-based covering. It should go over your nose and your mouth and can be something as simple as a scarf, a bandana, or a t-shirt. 
As a reminder, these cloth-based covers are not so much about protecting the person wearing the cover, but they are more about protecting the people around you. And that is Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott, Rhode Island's uh, director of... uh, the Rhode Island Department of Health, and she's doing a nice job. A lot of people are doing a good job. We have the mayor online. We'll talk to her in a minute. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday service. Services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we're back here on the Upfront program for another segment. Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt is on our live line right now. We're going to chat with her, and uh, we'll also be talking with uh, Mike DeBrace a little bit uh, further on down the line uh, and getting some announcements from him. But uh, first of all, uh, Mayor, uh, are you doing okay? We'll start there. Yes, I'm doing fine. Thank you, Roger. Okay. How, how are you doing? Good, good. good. We're uh, holding our own as we uh, try to uh, all together, we're all working as a as a uh, one socket community team uh, to uh, get us through. Mayor, first of all, before I ask you any questions, do you have any announcements uh, that would be of general interest to our uh, listening audience? Certainly. So you did just mention that um, you'll be speaking with Michael DeBroyce a little later. So what happened this morning was uh, I was getting some information from him on something, and we've had a bit of a concern in the city since uh, over the last month pertaining to trash and litter, et cetera. So uh, I thought it would be best to dedicate the last 15 minutes of the program uh, so Michael could call in and give a rundown of exactly what's happening that should be happening and that shouldn't be happening and the resources that he's been needing to use in order to continually keep uh, the community clean. And I apologize if you hear that that noise um, every once in a while, but my iPad will not uh, turn that volume down for some reason. So when you hear that, I apologize. It's my iPad and messages coming through. It is not distracting in any way, so don't worry. Thank you. So so Michael will be calling in. There's a lot of ground that he needs to cover, and I think it's really important for everybody to hear what he has to hear. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll be looking forward. We'll be looking forward to Mike's report a little bit later. Thank you. All right. Uh, any other announcements, or do you want me to just go down my list of uh, topics? You can, go, you can go down your list. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, how many cases have been reported? Uh, I, you know, I'm using the format pretty much of the governors, so uh, the first thing they do is, is give the statistical information each day. Do you have any statistics on, on Woonsocket? So Woonsocket did have a slight uptick. Uh, we now have 20 cases uh, confirmed positive in Woonsocket, and as you know, with the new uh, clinic, that the super clinic, basically, that's been set up at Twin River, and the amount of testing that's being done, I, I believe 
uh, personally believe that all of the communities uh, will be seeing an uptick when you're doing, you know, between 1,000 and 2,000 tests per day, because if you're adding in the 1,000 at, at the Twin River site and then all the other areas across the state who are also doing testing, I believe yesterday we there, there may have been the results of from like 1,800 tests. So you'll you'll start to see those those numbers have an uptick in all communities. Uh, at this point in time, I believe the only community that does not have any reported doesn't mean they don't have positive cases, but there aren't any reported positive cases is in Richmond. So other than that, uh, there are some communities that are really having a very strong. Um, uh, uptick in, in numbers like Providence and Pawtucket, which is extremely unfortunate. But like I mentioned before, just because our number may seem relatively low does not mean that we're a safe community because keep in mind, people are traveling in and out of the city from different cities and towns within the state. And, and so there's no, there's no barrier. There's no fence. There's no wall. So we do know that there are more female positive cases. Uh, than male positive, than male positive, and there's a good amount of folks that, even though we're seeing the deaths that are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, although there have been some younger folks who have unfortunately passed on, also there is a strong, uh, the age group that is extremely strong is in that 50s, uh, 50 range and 60s range, so. It's, it's, it's widespread. I mean, there's positive cases of, of young children from, you know, 10 years old to nine, the teenager at 19 years old. So no one is safe. There's no um, rhyme or reason as other than the fact that it's when you come in contact and then, unfortunately, um, you are tested and you're tested positive because somehow your hands got to your mouth, your nose, your eyes, and... That's where we're at. So it's, um, you know, as the governor said, it's, it's very difficult to change your lifestyle so quickly and so dramatically. Mayor, um, I just want to point out that every day in the news briefing from the governor, whether it's Dr. Uh, Alexander Scott or whether it's the governor, the more they all have said the same thing that you said, the more testing as the numbers go up for testing so are the numbers of reported cases, so we can understand that. Correct. 20 cases in Woonsocket. Now, does that include the cases reported at Oakland Grove Nursing Home, or do we separate that out? So what happens, and that's a good question, Roger, because that was, that, that was a question that the uh, mayors and town administrators had. When they're reporting a positive case, it is where the person actually lives. So if you got tested in Providence, um, that would not, and you were positive, but you lived in Woonsocket, you live in Woonsocket, you would be on the chart showing an added positive case in Woonsocket because you live in Woonsocket. So it's where you actually live. So if you have an individual who lives in North Providence and they live in the nursing home, um, in North Providence, then that would be a North Providence number. So the Oakland Grove numbers in, uh, are included in the 20, then? Yes. Okay, thank you. Do you have a question, Jeff, or should uh, I just go Good morning, Mayor. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, as a 
as our leader in the city of Osaka, you're trying to keep your residents safe. I wanted to ask you and maybe get a comment about the initiative this weekend. Coming into the station very early Sunday morning, could not help but notice the large orange tags that were on the vehicle. An effort to look for out-of-state people here in the city of Woonsocket, not following the quarantine orders. Talk a little bit about putting that together, and will we see that again? Right. So what happened is, um, again, every day, like I mentioned to you, there are conference calls among governor's staff and town and city leaders. And as questions come up, they're addressed, and they try to come up with a solution to the problem. So when the governor indicated that there was a 14-day quarantine for anyone coming in to the state of Rhode Island, uh, how do you get that message out to them? If they're passing through, driving through, that's different than someone deciding that they're going to come here from New Jersey or from Maryland or from any other state, and they're going to come here and decide that I'm just going to stay with a friend, a parent, whomever it may be. So the message that the governor wanted every community to get out was, if you're coming here from another state, you are getting noticed with this sticker, with the information that is basically saying to you, this is what you should be doing. You should be self-quarantining. Uh, so uh, that's the, the, the purpose of the initiative. Um, obviously, it was, uh, it was done overnight, so these vehicles weren't here for shopping. They weren't here for working. There were uh, some backstreet residential neighborhoods, and again, they, the vehicles were here uh, through the overnight. Um, we will we'll see that again? So you're correct. The first part is correct, uh, where if it was during the day, more likely than not, they could have potentially come here uh, for something and, were, and they were leaving. But if your vehicle is there at 2 o'clock in the morning, for the most part, you're probably staying overnight. So that was the reasoning behind that. What we learned was we had 200 stickers, I believe 200 stickers printed, and all the 200 stickers are out. So we are regrouping on that. We're seeing and getting opinion from other communities as to how they're handling the situation and if whether or not we will be continuing to move forward and, and applying more stickers uh, in the coming days. Staggering uh, to see, uh, and in my uh, witnessing, I, I just really drove around looking for them. You go through the Fairmont District, the volume of out-of-state vehicles, and not just from Massachusetts, Massachusetts, New York, Florida, Arizona, Louisiana, how many out-of-state vehicles uh, are in the city over It was staggering to see the numbers. And you said you blew through all 200. Correct. And, and think, think of all the, the, the times that they had the emission of out-of-state plates prior to this happening, where they went out and they monitored out-of-state plates, and you saw on the front page of the newspaper practically every time it was done, uh, that they were, they were <clears throat> tagged and noticed that uh, they needed to register their car in the city. So they've already done hundreds in the past uh, prior to the, to the coronavirus. And as you can see, we've gone through 200 stickers. So we have a nice database of everything is kept in a database. So we have that and they know exactly um, who they tagged, so to speak, or who they stickered and the license plate, etc. So there is uh, entry that's been made on that. So you'll be able to find the repeat offenders 
and maybe step it up to with that fine uh, process uh, if they uh, continue to repeat. Uh, very, very well done. Uh, if I may ask one more quick question, Roger. Sure. I know we had a uh, animal clinic, uh, rabies uh, clinic scheduled here in the city one socket. A very important thing. Spring is happening. I can see in my neighborhood on Jilson, wildlife is not segregating. They they know they don't know anything about coronavirus. So the wildlife is out. It's always a risk of rabies. Uh, I see that we are now scheduled for May 2nd. Uh, very important. We could have a second crisis as you don't want rabies spreading throughout the community, lack of vaccinations. Um, are you working with the animal control at all to, to figure out how can this be done but yet still follow those guidelines? It's such an important thing for the community. It is very important like a lot of other things are very important and a, a, a lot has been postponed as you know for for good reason uh, right now we are working with DEM on several things uh, as as we know we usually stock cast cast pond and we have the fishing derby uh, well what the state has done is they've gone around and they've determined what areas are safe enough for, and, and there's enough distance for people to be, you know, out there fishing and doing things like that. At this point in time, uh, Cass Pond is considered an area that's too small to have people congregating on the, on the embankments there. So again, with rabies, we will need to follow the guidelines from the state be, because I'm not positive they will allow us uh, to do that. And as, as we also know, the extension date of May 8th that was announced yesterday by the governor, um, May 2nd definitely falls before May 8th. So we will certainly follow any guidelines that they put in place, and we will see whether or not we will be allowed to move forward with the rabies clinic. Um, in, in case you don't know or if listeners don't know, the animal shelter falls under the Woonsocket Police Department. So the, the WPD is in charge and handles our local shelter. So they will be handling this situation too. Director Gillette, Chief Oates, uh, what we will do is we will learn what we can and cannot do and we will certainly let the public know. May I recommend drive-through rabies clinic? I will put that on my list today and I will send that in to the governor's office for one of our questions. Great. Have a, thank you for your time. Mayor, how is the Woonsocket Police Department and the Woonsocket Fire Department holding up under these conditions? That's the general question. And then specifically underneath uh, that is uh, how many uh, how many firefighters and police officers are off duty because of the virus? These are very trying times for everyone. Uh, no matter what age bracket you are in, no matter what your age is, as we know, this is affecting everyone from very young children uh, to, to our seniors. And when you're on the front line as a firefighter, police officer, healthcare worker, uh, folks who are stocking shelves in stores, cashiers, these are all very um, important people in order to keep us moving forward on a daily basis. And they have families. So there's great camaraderie among them. Uh, there's great appreciation uh, that is being shown to them. And if they don't see it, we, we really should be stepping that up. We're relying on them. They are our frontline workers. If we do not have them, everything collapses. 
and sometimes it's difficult to understand the depth of what they do because on ordinary times you're home you're doing you know you're working you're taking care of your family but at times like this when we are we rely on them all the time but we're relying on them more heavily and that weighs on people it weighs on their families so it's important that we are continually monitoring that and making certain that we get to them what they need so they can feel safe that we show that we appreciate them because without them like i mentioned everything collapses so currently uh on or at rec normally we have a wonderful relationship with landmark medical center at this time we work in conjunction with them on a daily basis not once a day many times throughout the day our public safety officials and the officials at landmark medical center are working together to make certain that everything is in place every single day to be certain that we are prepared for whatever is coming our way and when you have a family member who is in one of these professions it's it's very concerning and draining for them also so we need to say a little extra prayer for them we need to make certain that we recognize the job that they are doing now is protecting us so i think from i thank them for that i want to thank landmark medical center our firefighters, EMTs, police officers, everyone who's coming in, restaurant owners who, there are restaurant owners who could potentially close during this time, but they're staying open because it's actually uplifting for them to be able to be serving food to people that are actually coming into work, needing to do the job they're doing in order to protect us. So there's this circle and it's heartwarming at times and it's always concerning but we need them more now than ever and uh you know on a, on a totally other flip side of this which is not in the healthcare industry when you when you speak with Michael DeBroyce and you have your public works department coming in and people question who's essential and who's not essential they're essential people they are working incredibly hard they are picking up after people who do not follow the rules or the laws. They're keeping our city clean. They're keeping it sanitized. And they're doing a phenomenal job. So at times like this, you don't always recognize how much of an impact someone's profession has on you. But when you're in this situation now, I'm seeing it every day, every hour of the day, the work that is going in, the coordination from the state to the municipalities, to the workforce, it, it's it's encouraging, but it's also um, it also makes you realize the importance of the individuals that we have. At times, I don't think they're as appreciated as they should be, and it's I have great appreciation for them. We see, though, Mayor, in uh, in stories uh, coming across the, the state. Uh, one policeman, one fireman, uh, test positive for coronavirus, a dozen out on quarantine. Are we fully staffed at this time with our fire and police department, or do we have uh, any of those uh, quarantine measures taking place? That's a, I'd have to get an update from Chief Shatra on that. And, um, yes, we do have people who are self-monitoring, and that is 
there are and, and there are different standards for public safety officials compared to people who are not in the public safety field. But there is almost like a matrix that you follow and what they need to do if they have symptoms or if they've been with someone who has symptoms but they're asymptomatic. So there's very strong guidelines and our EMA director, Chief Walsh, Chief Chatraw, Director Gillette, and of course Chief Oates on a different front at the police department, they all need to coordinate and make certain that all of their men and women are following the guidelines. But to answer your question, yes, we will and we will continue moving forward. Sorry we're pressing down on that question, but uh, it, it is being reported all over the region if an individual town or city uh, has 125 uh, firefighters and six are on are, are out because of um, because of the virus. So um, so uh, we're interested in those numbers, um, not only as a news story, but we're just interested in as the citizens. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the so I will human, I will actually right. get you those numbers because I'd rather have accurate numbers. Right. I don't right. want numbers that are estimates or guesstimates. Right. So I can get you those numbers, and and we can see you know who is self monitoring and. If um, any other any other information that the, that the chief can share, it certainly can't help when uh, police have to respond to a home uh, apartment in Morin Heights having a party uh, over the weekend, violating the uh, yeah. social hosting laws. Ridiculous, huh? It is. Yeah. It is ridiculous, and it's unfortunate. And that's an exact example of of what I was just trying to explain: the fact that they have to be subjected to the ignorance of an individual like that it's unnecessary and um, but that's what they're up against right now mayor uh, in following the format of uh, the state briefings <clears throat> they talk about the statistics and they talk about social distancing and so forth but it always uh, in the uh, somewhere in toward the uh, middle of the conference it talks about money and um and the uh, governor yesterday uh, she was uh, quite blunt about it um, money isn't coming in, and uh, we need revenue, and um, uh, we gotta we gotta spend money right now to keep people safe. But uh, I don't think she knows exactly where the money is going to come from uh, to balance the budget. So I was just wondering how our cash flow is. Uh, I know I sent in my water bill the other day. Is are, are people paying paying their bills? Um, um, do we have cash on hand? At this point in time, uh, we we are fine. We're hopeful that anyone who can pay their taxes will pay their taxes. Of course, if, you're, if your taxes are escrowed, that certainly makes things easier because the bank will be sending those escrow payments in. It is monitored on a daily basis by Director Chamberlain and by our treasurer. So they're tracking daily what is coming in uh, from water payments, sewer payments, tax uh, revenue, uh, that, that's also coming in on real estate or tangibles. So she is monitoring that very closely. And at this point in time, we're fine. But that does not mean that things won't change. As we know, we got ex extended a month uh, to May 8th. So we'll see what kind of an impact that does have. We are following a tracking system for any expenses that we, we are incurring due to the virus. And that's something that is uh, run, you know, handled through the state. It's handled locally and then to the state and then to the government. So we are tracking all of those expenses. 
and forwarding them them in. So it will get it will get a little you know unnerving, but they have a very good handle on it and they understand the importance. We have employees that we need to pay. We we I do know because Director Chamberlain informed me uh, every day is the same day at this point, but I'll say at the end of last week or middle of last week that our education aid came in. So that allows us to forward that over to our school district and then our school district forwards out to wherever anyone else is going to school, if they're in school in Cumberland or wherever they may be. And so, so that is extremely comforting, knowing that that payment came in, it's being dispersed. We don't want any educators, you know, worrying about paychecks or anything like that. So it's good to see that came in through the state. So they're not at a point yet where they're not sending out the education aid. Nationally, uh, the president um, even pronounced Woonsocket, Rhode Island properly. Yes, <laughs> I spotted that. Right. When the president announced that CVS uh, was um, was stepping to the plate uh, with their testing center over at Twin River. And uh, uh, the day before, he, he re- recognized Woonsocket for the company on Burnside Avenue. So I guess whenever an American company is doing something in the country... We're getting some uh, some recognition, but um, I, I was it was nice to see us mentioned nationally. I don't know how uplifting it is to you, but it was nice for me. It, it really is. We called him. We gave him a tutorial on how to pronounce it, and he did a great job. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep sending over uh, the names of companies who are doing great things. And yes, so w- with that, I'd like to just say, and I'm sure you've mentioned it before, but. Again, a shout-out to Hyman Brickle for retooling and moving into the manufacturing of masks to Sheehan Printing, uh, which you saw on today's front page. Yes. Retooling, shifting over to the face shields. Aidant Scientific, great company, all great companies, shifting over to the hand sanitizer. Uh, we have a company in Woonsocket who happened to be getting in a shipment of masks and... You know, Chief Shatra is our point person, and and Chief uh, Walsh is monitoring our PPE. This company was willing to give his order to our local department so we could help and we can disperse. And we're doing this in conjunction with Landmark Medical Center. So when they get PPE, when they get equipment, if we need something, they're sharing with us. If we have something, we share with them. We have a phenomenal partnership, and I would like to tell you the gentleman that we're working with and the woman we're working with, Carolyn Kyle and Gino Olays, they are top-notch. They have incredible staff across the board at Landmark Medical Center, the healthcare workers. These are our basic two-point people, and it's become like a family. Mm-hmm. So as tough as times are, it's also uplifting to be able to develop relationships with folks like this. We have another company that we learned yesterday who is looking to shift their production from a chemical that they make into a hand sanitizer. So I just received an email this morning from Rhode Island Commerce. They're looking for the contact information of the company in Woonsocket that is looking to transfer their manufacturing into hand sanitizer. This is someone in addition to Aidance Scientific. Aidance Scientific is growing. 
Uh, you can look them up on the website. And if you can, in the future when things are calm, if you're looking for a product, check out their site. I don't know if people recognize that they sell other products, yes. and we can we can support them. So we have multiple companies who are retooling and shifting their manufacturing <clears throat> into this new direction. And I and if this happens with the hand sanitizer company, I will certainly let you know what that company is. But at this point in time, um, the initial talks will begin this morning. Talking to Carol and Kyle over the weekend, she's setting up for us uh, another interview with uh, Dr. Fort, the contagious disease um, uh, doctor at Landmark, and also uh, Mike, uh, the uh, administrator of Landmark. So we'll um, we'll get the Landmark side of the uh, story um, hopefully before the end of the week here on the program. Thank you for uh, for mentioning the mayor. All right. Um, so we talked about um, money. Uh, did you have something else? Well, we go to Mike to talking about money is an interesting situation. We, we if you're tuning in, Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt on our live line, uh, Mayor. You come into the picture as a as an administrator, uh, looking at uh, budgets and departments and policies, and you end up thrust into uh, a point of trying to save the lives of your citizens. Literally, uh, I'm just wondering if you could give us a little human aspect as a uh, as a person in that predicament of of your mindset and the wear and tear and what you're going through. That's a, that's a huge shift. From uh, from policies and budgetary issues as an administrator, to now literally trying to save the lives of the citizens. Well, let's just say that it's nothing that any anyone expected, and I'm not the only one who had to shift into this direction. All the mayors and town administrators, the governor, all the elected officials um, that that are working with her, the, her department heads. It has been a true, truly a team effort. Uh, the, the directors and chiefs within the city of Woonsocket, the staff within City Hall, all of the employees. It has been a, a major, major shift for us. But also recognizing that you still have a city that needs to be run. But nine, I would say 99% of our focus is exactly where it should be. It's on getting the information to the, the folks of Woonsocket making certain that we're doing everything we can to keep them safe, to help them during these times, and to recognize that the last month may have felt like a year, but now we're faced with the fact that we have an additional month at a minimum of what we've already been going through. But this next month, we are going to be faced with numbers that we were not faced with before. We cannot get away from the fact that our numbers are going to increase significantly. People are going to learn that today you feel healthy and tomorrow you're tested positive. The impact it's going to have on families and the trickle down to the family members, the adjustments that will need to be made within households the emotion and the trying times that are going to come with this on all fronts. We need to be supportive of each other. We need to watch out for each other. We need to take care of our neighbors. We need to make phone calls to people we have not called in a long time.
to say hello. There's loneliness at this time. There's depression. There's confusion. And it is important that the humanity comes out in everyone. Mayor, and we take care of each other. Mike DeBrice is on our live line, ready to uh, go into the second part of the program. And I think those uh, last words were, uh, I guess, quite inspiring, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mayor, I'm going to ask you to uh, stay on hold so we can uh, get back to you in a few moments. We're going to join Mike DeBrice. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. And uh, on our live line right now is uh, Michael DeBrice, superintendent of solid waste and engineering at the city of Woonsocket. And he's going to... Uh, Make a few announcements um, concerning our uh, trash collection, maybe even uh, waste uh, collection, because uh, that started this week, we hope anyway. Mike, uh, good morning to you, and what do you have for us today? Good morning, Roger. Thank you, and uh, thank the mayor for allowing me a few minutes of her time to bring the city up to date with solid waste throughout the city, which has been a, a uh, frustrating issue for the last few weeks, especially with so many people Working from home or not being able to work at all, um, it's a massive cleanup of spring cleaning in everybody's houses. And our staff, which we actually had to pull in extra personnel just from the highway department to help offset the solid waste needs and attempting to keep the city as clean as possible, has um, been uh, very tough for the last few weeks. We're seeing uh, three to four sometimes five extra tons of trash being picked up just by waste management each week. We're seeing a huge amount of illegal dumping. I have no idea what a, a uh, couch or a TV has to do with the uh, virus, but that's what we're finding tossed on the sides of the roads, into the woods, on vacant property. Huge amount of litter that we've been trying to, to deal with. The overloaded trash, which we understand we've been trying to assist as much as possible. And, but the other condition that we're having is the contaminated recycle. Uh, city is being uh, fined now for two weeks in a row for contaminated loads. That's a complete waste of taxpayers' money. People are throwing, throwing sorry, trash into the recycling, and uh, it's getting emptied into the into the trash trucks or the recycling trucks, and is being rejected at the state landfill. We still have to try to keep those green cots as clean as possible there's there's no reason to contaminate it if you if you need a hand call our office and we'll try to work with you we're not telling you that you have to hoard your trash inside your garage we'll work something out with you but you got to help us out on the other end on that part the yard waste rod roger the yard waste did start yesterday uh actually monday i forget what day it is like you just said it seems like it's uh, been a year already but it's only been a couple weeks the yard waste uh, curbside collection did start on Monday. Um, the drop-off facility in Blackstone opened up officially today. I'm aware that the town council had passed a emergency legislation on on uh, Monday night for that facility. I've talked with the council president and the vice president on this. and There's no fee for the sticker. However, you still do need a sticker. The city has to keep the program in place and um, so if you send your vehicle registration to the public works department via mail or by the Dropbox at the tax assessor's office we will mail you the sticker that you need Blackstone needs that sticker on the vehicle so their attendant down there does not have to have the one-on-one -on -one contact 
with a resident to find out where you live or that you're, that you're in the Woonsocket community, which is the only community that they're servicing right now um, at their facility besides their own residents. So it's to keep that program uh, going, going straight, and I think the next city council meeting, the city council will be modifying that legislation just a little bit, but I think uh, it's all well-intended, and uh, it, we'll be able to deal with that. Hey, Micah. I have two emails from two separate bodies. They're basically the same question. This must be a predominant question. What bin do you place the restaurant um, containers? You know, I, everybody's doing takeout. There must be a gajillion of those styrofoam uh, containers out there. Yes, and styrofoam, especially after it's been um, uh, contaminated with food waste. I'm not saying your food is contaminant, but it's been soiled with it. That's all trash. It, you don't put any of that inside your recycling. If you have a question on whether something should be recycled or not, throw it away. I'd rather have it in the trash than in the recycle. Uh, the, the, the loads that we're getting contaminated with, it costs the city about 600 bucks every time, plus the complete waste of other clean recyclables that might have been in the truck. Where now we don't have a way to get rid of re, um, styrofoam. We used to have uh, an outlet on that, that outlet source that that manufacturer has closed and i'm hoping that with everything that's going on right now maybe a, a manufacturer will go back into styrofoam recycling and we can get rid of that stuff but presently all that takeout which everybody's doing a good job um going to those restaurants that are still open please just throw that stuff away another question here from a listener you use the term contaminated waste what is contaminated waste that you've been encountering and is construction debris contaminated waste Construction debris, if it was inside your green recycled container, would be considered contamination. Other forms of contamination, uh, the highest forms that we see is food waste, um, yard waste, construction debris, plastic bags is still a huge concern. The pickers on the line at the landfill have to go through all this, and they have to hand sort it. In the times that we're going through right now, they don't, the, the less that someone has to touch something, the better. You need to open up those plastic bags that you took your recycling out from your house and you have to have that loose in your bin and then throw that plastic bag away in your trash can. But we need it loose, no plastic bags, no styrofoam, no yard waste, no food waste, please. And one more thing, uh, since we don't have anybody from, uh, from the water department or sewer department uh, here, what, uh, about... Um the wastewater treatment plant, uh, do you hear that uh, this issue of uh, these wipes has, has calmed down a little bit over there? I, I think it's, I don't think it's calmed down. I think we're trying to get the word out, and it's definitely more in people's ears and minds that you can't do this. We have a couple message boards that the Solid Waste Division uh, maintains and owns, and we put those out on the road, and we've got the messages on there. Um, our office has had to um, assist with some of these backups as far as knowing where what houses were affected so we're still asking everybody not to flush anything down they just like jeff says the the poop the pee the paper those are the only three things that can go down the the sewer lines you're going to end up with problems in your house it's going to end up costing you money and it's going to end up having problems with your neighbor because when those lines back up and i know director d'agostino has been on here saying this it backs up into other people's houses. It may not be yours, but it's your neighbor that, is, that you're affecting with this. 
Any other words before we uh, switch back to the mayor? Yeah. I just ask that everybody assist us. Our solid waste guys, you know, which are highway guys right now, do your best with the trash. We have to be in that trash. You know, we're, we're wearing the gloves, we're wearing the face mask, we're wearing the, the protection gear as we need. But you need to help us out. Just keep it keep, It's hard to ask you to keep your trash clean, but I am. Um, keep it clean so we can service you and, and keep the city clean. I have to say kudos to Waste Management as our vendor. They have not delayed or canceled anything. And we're hearing, and you see it from other communities, they can't do their yard waste collection. They can't do bulk item. Our vendor has been spot on keeping everything going for us. And Wintocket is very lucky that what we offer our residents, with their tax money, of course, has been able to hold on with, with no delays, no cancellations. Mike, uh, thank you for uh, sharing some uh, of that uh, information with us. We appreciate it. And and now, get back to work. <laughs> thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank Bye-bye. You. Have a nice day. You're welcome. On our live line, Mike DeBrice, solid... Um, well, let's see. Engineering and solid waste, city of Woonsocket. All right. We'll just check in with our mayor one more time before we wrap up this morning. Mayor, you still online? I am. I am. So th- thank you to Michael for that update. And thank you to Waste Management because uh, certainly without them staying consistent, we would have a bigger mess than what we've been encountering lately. Uh, I would like to um, give you the numbers. You asked for the numbers regarding police and fire. I did that while you were talking to Michael. <clears throat> So we have, we're in very good shape. Uh, we have one positive case on the firefighter side. We have two more who are testing. And we have zero positive on the police side. So between our two departments, we have one positive case. That is terrific. Yes, it is terrific. Well, thank and you I'm, for glad, I'm glad you asked me that question because I think it's important to, to know that. Uh, and I would like to just, I, I know I thank some companies, and I would just like to mention uh, one other company that has been working very closely. Uh, we've developed a very uh, a very good working relationship with them since they came into the city and bought what was the old Walmart building, and that's Ocean State Job Lot. We've been working hand-in-hand with them over the last month or so uh, pertaining to supplies that we need uh, for our departments, and I want to also thank them. They're they're a great partner. And thank you for uh, your update, uh, Mayor. We appreciate it. And anytime uh, you uh, want to get some information uh, on the air, whether it's yourself or any of your directors, uh, just uh, give us a call, and we'll plug you right in. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank okay. you, and stay safe, everyone. We will indeed. Time on our live line. Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt, and uh, a city update, including uh, one from Mike DeBrice of Solid Waste. That's it for our show today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. And uh, up and coming, WNRI News at 9 a.m. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.